Hey everybody, I'm Greg Soule and this is Why Am I, a podcast where I talk to interesting people and try and trace a path to where they find themselves today. My guest this go-around is Mather Zickel. He's a professional actor who started life in New York City and with multiple tries, a few starts and stops in there, finally made the migration to LA. He started in theater and, as expected, moved to TV and movie. He's actually been at it for like, I think, a couple of decades up to this point. Uh, When asked if he would ever teach, it was a resounding no. He was very adamant about that. Um, But for someone who doesn't want to teach, he seems to understand much of the psychology and method, I'm doing air quotes on method, uh, that it takes to be successful. And I found that sometimes those that are the most reluctant can make the best teachers. Maybe a little food for thought for all of us, huh? So please share this with a friend if you enjoy it, and I hope you enjoy this chat with Mather. Mather Zickel, thank you for joining me on the YMI podcast. Thanks, Greg. It's nice to be here. Absolutely. So I am so pleased to have you here. I feel like you know, after that, uh, after that Uh-oh. meal, you feel so mm-hmm. fancy. So I, I feel like uh, I run into you at uh, the Banana Republic or something. Maybe they're they're having a sale. You're looking. You got it. Hope not. Uh, <laughs> well, I go to the Banana Republic if like I'm just you know stuck for a pair of slacks that you know no one would ever notice. Sure. <laughs> oh man, that just gave me flashbacks to like cargo pants. I remember when that was yeah. the, uh, the hotness. Let's not do that. Do you remember the old Banana Republic catalog? I don't. From the eighties? No, I don't know how old you are, but um, I remember when Banana Republic actually started. And it was in the early eighties, and they I was a kid, but they, uh, you know, they 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 would send out this catalog uh, that. It's it's basically the kind of catalog that the Jay Peterman company kind of ripped off <laughs> a few years later, which was yeah it was like it was cargo pants but it was it was all like safari style clothing, and it's like for people who wanted to dress up like Indiana Jones it was you could get the everybody? hat you could get that leather jacket at the Banana Republic like a leather aviator jacket and you know some like. Uh, what pleated you know dark pleated wool you know like khakis or something like that you know i mean it was all they were kind of selling a fantasy yeah are you trying to pretend like that didn't appeal to you oh it absolutely appealed to me (laughs) i I wanted all that stuff when i was that age yeah for sure and this is that age being like 14 yeah yeah i think that still secretly appeals to me yeah um the practicality though i'm too lazy nowadays i don't i don't actually want to to attempt to do any of those no things. you don't want to you know and then you're like what am i who am i fooling like yeah this is, i'm just fooling yeah. myself um but let's say uh and then, let's you say, know this is before it just became like mock you know mock turtles and uh you know you know v-neck sweaters and uh whatever whatever they sell this goes well. Khakis. Like I think khakis. you're going to have interesting opinions on virtually anything I say. She I, knows. I, we do. We're doing hot takes on the '80s men's fashion already. Yeah, I feel like this is this is really a terrible stuff. decade in fashion. I think, but uh, <laughs> probably my least favorite decade. In fashion. <laughs> oh my gosh! Now we're going to do the uh, top ten uh, top ten decade breakdown. Uh, no, no, no. So uh, you and I run into each other, right? We have mm-hmm. a start up a conversation. I talk about who I am and quickly exhaust that because you know underneath this uh 
uh, leather jacket, you know, that's kind of puffy around the collar right? mm-hmm. to, to complete the, the Indiana Jones look. There's not really mm-hmm. much left to me. So it's your turn to reciprocate, Mather. So who are you, bud? Who am I? Um, where am I? I'm a 52-year-old man, American, professional actor. Um, I'm a father. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, a New Year- I'm a New York transplant to California, Los Angeles. Um, I'm... Uh, a New York Giants fan. I am a. Uh, I, I enjoy boxing and hiking, um, and board games. And uh, you know, uh, I I don't know. Those are those are the broad strokes. I would say. <laughs> I love that you. I, I can understand this. You know, you had another friend who. who this evoked existential dread in them, and I can see why. <laughs> uh, How do you, know, you it's summarize? Sort of, who it's sort you of like are. that moment, and I don't know if you ever saw the, um, you know the uh, the Albert Brooks film, "Defending Your Life." I haven't I mean, seen that you one. You know, yeah, it's a movie from some time ago, but it's about him uh, dying and basically not going to heaven, but going to sort of a. Uh, uh, like a like a mid level hotel where he has to live, and then he, and then he has like a uh, uh, an, uh, you know an attorney of sorts who sort of like presents his life to, um, you know the powers that be to uh, try to decide whether he lived a uh, fulfilling or productive or uh, you know meaningful life. And he just has a horrible time because, like, you know, they just kind of go through his life, you know, and they keep replaying incidents from his life <laughs> where <laughs> he just consistently failed. <laughs> Usually in, in courage, you know, he had, he, uh-huh. had, he had several moments of, you know, of uh, opportunities that were presented that he was too afraid to take. I feel like that's pretty... Um explanatory of a lot of my life is uh failure i fail and fail and fail until uh something works and then i move on to something else and just fail at that until it uh it seems to until you run out of stuff (laughs) yeah yeah i'm still oh i continually find things to fail at don't worry about that matter i uh oh good i haven't i haven't run out of that yet but yeah well you know feels like that's our life isn't it hopefully we fail better yeah absolutely learn to fail better so you called yourself a professional actor. I've talked to actors before, but I've never talked to one who described themselves as professional. Why? Why the word professional? <clears throat> um. Oh, I guess what well, you know. That's interesting. Uh, I guess because I've. I, I think an actor can be an easy thing to call yourself. Um, mm. It's possible to act in things, and you know, but to really make a career of it and to sustain yourself and to, I don't know, putting the time and like to, to, to know that it's a vocation and not just a, um, a pastime. I, I, I guess I, I want to, you know, I'd like, I, I guess I wanted to indicate that I support myself doing it and have for some time. 
And uh, I don't know. I, I I take a certain amount of pride in that, or you know, or maybe it's just trying to counter uh, an insecurity about being an actor at all. You know, because it just uh, you know sometimes it just sounds like a uh, you know kind of a squishy kind of life choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I but it doesn't have to be. You know. Um, I think sometimes when you hear somebody say actor, that kind of, that's almost evocative of like uh, a pipe dream, right? It's like, I have this hope. I want to do this thing. Yeah. And it, and it's something easy in a way. Like you can call yourself an actor with no professional credentials. <laughs> it's not like, yeah, you can't say you're a doctor, like a medical right. doctor. Yeah, exactly. Actually, you know, because <laughs> then you would be flat out lying, but you could say you're an actor and you know, maybe you've done some acting, maybe you, you know. It's not hard to wind up acting in something, um, but uh, you know it's hard to make a life of it. Hmm. I like how you described it as a vocation. To me, that evokes like uh, something you have to work at. It's a skill that you really have to. Hone well, it takes and practice. Well, you yeah. know, it, it takes experience. But I, I, I try to shy away from using the word artist. I don't like to use that. Hmm. Um, I'm not saying that acting is not an art because I think it is, but here again, I think it's one of those things that one of those terms that actors particularly like to use to feel better about their own, you know, their, their, their own vocation. <laughs> I call it a vocation. It's a, it's a job with, you know, it's a skill, it's a, uh, it's a craft, it's a lot of things and it can be art. I mean, it, it is an artistic endeavor, but um, I had a, I had a teacher once described it as a secondary art, hmm. meaning you can't do it a lot. Like you can't, it doesn't exist by itself. It has to exist in the context of something else, meaning writing often, you know, or some direction, you know, if you're a musician, you can play music by yourself you can go into a room you can go somewhere and, and just create music if you're a painter you can go paint but if you're an actor you can't like go into your back room and just act it doesn't exist in a vacuum you mm. can rehearse but um without a partner or, or and particularly an audience it's sort of uh it kind of loses context in a way so um acting is presentational. So anyway, I thought it was interesting. I had a teacher who described it that way and that, that made sense to me. Hmm. Do you feel like that put more focus on the audience piece for you? Like the idea that I'm actually doing this for like an audience, the idea that there has to be, I, cause it kind of feels like a yin and yang, right? It's like uh, the idea we don't do anything in, a, well, I've heard, let me reel it back a little bit. I've heard people describe artists or people who create things is like they don't do it just for themselves they do it so other people can enjoy it right because ultimately yeah i, I mean well, somebody say it's made to be seen you know yeah, it's yeah. you have to see it for it to even exist otherwise you're performing for yourself and you know in front of the mirror or just in yeah. space um and you are giving something you know you you should be giving something for you of yourself and it so I, I did a little digging on you and you've done 
live like theater acting as well as i mean you've done i started in that yeah i trained for that and uh yeah so uh which do you feel like feeds you the most i guess not necessarily obviously what pays the bills is you know your 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 film and tv but kind of creatively like when we're talking about feedback from the audience well it, it can all it can all feel um fulfilling um but theater has the um it's got benefits. It, it's got creative benefits that the others often don't share, which is, um, I think it re there's a, uh, there's more of a community created when you do a play. Hmm. Um, and this is, you know, particularly with cast, with director and, and often with, you know, designers, with stage managers, uh, like you're, you're you're really sort of depending on each other in a certain way, and you and there's a lot more interaction between those departments, I think, and specifically for the cast and the director is that you rehearse, and rehearsal is a creative. It is truly a creative process. Hmm. You're really making something. You're taking a piece of writing or I mean, it could be something improvisational as well, but you're creating something, you're finding something, and um, you're shaping it. Uh, and that that is something that doesn't really occur so much in film and even less in television. That sounds... I mean, it's it, like I'm trying to put myself in here. It feels almost... I don't know, experimental, like to me, well, it, it, it's like it, you're, you're making something you're, you're yeah. figuring out, you know, you have a script, you have a play, maybe it's a play that's been done a million times in other forms, or maybe it's a new play. I, I did a lot of new theater, you know, a lot of new plays when I was uh, starting out and when I was in New York, um, I probably did a lot more original plays than I did uh, revivals of anything. And, uh, you know, you're kind of, particularly when you're working on a new play, you're like, you're, you're figuring out what this play is like, and, and the playwright is often on hand more often than not, because the playwright is also trying to figure out what it is that they're trying to say or what they're creating. And, um, there are rewrites that happen, you know, there's things get a lot of things get cut. Um, sometimes things get added. And um, you're figuring it out what it is. It, it it is experimental. Yeah, you're 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 testing things out. You're trying things one way, or you know, you're discussing it, uh, and uh, you're figuring out what uh, what this story is and what it's saying, and who these people are and why. And um, that's exciting. It's it's hmm. really engaging. I mean, in a way, it's it can be more fun to, for me than than performing. Even hmm. performing can be really gratifying if you have an audience that's very responsive to what you're doing, and that's really great. Um, but figuring it out is uh, it's it's a collaborative process. You know, by the time a play opens, it it tends to be set. There's not a lot of. I mean through previews, whatever, you know, sometimes there's adjustments made 
after a play is opened. But really, you know, when you on opening night, that's kind of the play as set. That's what the blocking is. These are the light cues. These are the lines that, you know, and, uh, you know, but leading up to that, you're, you're, you're figuring all that stuff out and that is, that's fun. Um, and it can get really, um, it can be very emotional too and, mm. and testy at times. I mean, like mm. I've been in productions where, you know, people really get mad at each other or, or hurt, um, or, you know, a little too vulnerable at times, you know, and, you know, I call it like, it, I, I love it in rehearsal and it's, it's usually around tech week or so that there's a little blood on the floor, <laughs> um, where things get a little, feel a little out of control or a little bad or something where, um, you know, you, you can tell that people's emotions are, are, um, exposed and uh and that can often like propel the play into like a deeper place that mm. it's sort of like oh yeah now we're going to hear you know because in a way it takes time to uh to trust your your fellow cast members did you find yourself you, in you those know places? to go to someplace what's that did you find yourself in those places too where you were yeah getting upset sure. and all that like that was was that yeah, part I of the can. process you know i you? try to keep it within the context you know like hopefully you know it doesn't become really personal and like right. you just develop like a bad relationship with someone outside of the stage um but it can be uh combustible hmm. I and i i think it's a little exciting when that happens <laughs> it I, I i often feel like this this is probably not a bad thing you know it so many things in life, like especially like if you are just this tiny cog in this big machine and you feel kind of, I don't know, just, you know, replaceable. But to me, it feels like yeah. if you are discovering who this character is. And you is are, by the helping... way, as an actor, you you are replaceable. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I'm not kidding sure. about that. You are like, you're like, as much as you think that they need you, like there is always someone else. Yeah. It's, yeah. Somebody else just dying dying to, to get yeah and position. someone else who can be just as good or better than you and uh they're different they're not going to be like you but they're going to be something and mm. it doesn't have to be you and that's another thing to recognize in acting mm. well, I mean, you're... Think... yeah sorry go ahead oh no, no no i was just thinking in the early part of the process if you actually get to shape who this character is you yeah. know even if it does meet a meet a revival that that piece of you that helped shape this character will still be there right so kind of your mark will be you on mean in yourself or well or what do you mean? like if you're working with a playwright to kind of because i'm assuming they're oh certainly yeah yeah no i mean if you're doing an original play you can really influence how that character and certainly how the writer perceives that character and you know you got cast in this role for some reason hmm. you know they liked something about you that they felt was correct um, but yeah, no, you have the chance to like make a first impression on a character. If you do a, um, a revival of a play, the challenge is, um, you know, how do I bring something original to a part that's been played thousands of times by mm -hmm. different people over years? You know, you suddenly become part of a tradition of like, oh, you know, this, whatever, you know, 
this person played. You know, how how am I going to you know, take on uh, you know Edmund Keane's Hamlet or Olivier's Hamlet or any of these you know these traditions of you know many people have come before you. Mm, that's interesting. Well, I mean, the idea of you talking about also being replaceable, I I guess that kind of goes back to like the idea of um, how many hungry people there are to to kind of break in. You mean endless, endless, yeah. yeah. And Endless. so yeah. replaceable. That's um yeah. that also sounds kind of scary. It's like it, it is. It do you is always scary. feel like the rug could be pulled out from underneath you at any point? Mm -hmm. Just pretty much indefinitely that always that's the feeling. Yeah. Even when you get a part, I mean I've been fired from jobs before. Where people decided after they cast me that I wasn't right. That yeah. I'm not what they wanted. How do you how do you I mean you've been doing this for what two decades now? How do you kind of reconcile that? It just becomes part of you. It's just an experience of the profession. I guess. And you know, it often evokes hard feelings. Um, and you know, there, there's. It's almost impossible to get fired and not feel shitty about it. Yeah. Um, but. You know, you have to move forward and say, well, you know, it, it happens. And uh, it's not necessarily your fault. I mean, you know, it, it could be a behavioral thing or a, you know, a conflict with the people who are hiring you. And then that, that can feel really bad, you know, because uh, you don't want to develop bad relationships. Um, although, you know, it that, that can happen. You know, you can clash with people. But, you know, you don't want to get it. You don't want to be known for somebody who's hard to work with, but you know sometimes you just get replaced because it's not working for them what you're doing, um, and maybe they only discover that after seeing it. It's a tough pill to swallow, um, and uh, but then you have to look at it. You're like, well, this happens in all professions. Yeah, people yeah. get fired yeah, because sure. it's just like they, you know, somebody wants somebody else, like. I don't like the plumber I hired to, you know, to do my pipes. So I'm going to get another guy. Yeah. Do you feel and like that makes you jaded? They probably don't take it personally. What? Do you feel like that uh, makes you jaded? Like, is it is it inevitable to get jaded if you stay you in know, the industry? It, it's not jaded. I mean, uh, it, it's only jaded if there's, if you got replaced, you know, for some other reason, you know, like, oh, they got a bigger name or some, you know, they got something else or you know it, like there's all kinds of there's all manner of terrible things that can happen and disappointing things it there's so much disappointment in this career um but you you know you have to just accept certain things that you know if they go badly that it's not the end of the story and and you will get something out you know you will fight another day um and you just gotta you know you got to stick up for yourself and just say like, look, I, I, I did what I thought was right. That's cool. So you develop like, uh, or maybe, maybe you have to have some perseverance. Uh, and well, you, you absolutely have to have perseverance. And then it's also an opportunity to look back and say like, well, why did that happen? Hmm. What is it that, that wasn't working for them? And then it's an opportunity to look at your own behavior. I can dig it. 
I can take it. You it know? sounds, uh, I mean, every job, there's shitty parts of the job. You mentioned plumbers. They literally have to work with poop. So, you know, yeah. everybody's got something they've got to deal with inside of whatever yeah. their vocation is, their chosen. And, and, you know, actors and other people in entertainment and the arts, you know, take it particularly hard. One, because it's really hard to get a job anyway. Um, that losing one is really, you know, can be demoralizing. But it's also it also feels personal, particularly as an actor, because it's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. It's too. not just like you know the product you're selling or whatever. You know, it's very it's absolutely you as a person who they didn't want. Yeah, there's there's something very specific about you that didn't quite fit. Yeah, yeah, and but, that you know that's hard. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, y'all. Yeah, I'm not accustomed to being judged in that fashion, so I don't think I would. I would take to it too well. Yeah. Not that I, I, I mean, obviously it's not for everybody and it shouldn't be, I mean, it, yeah. it shouldn't be for everyone. It's not, people think it's, you know, you could just do it and you know, there, there's, there's so much to it that, um, people may not expect just thinking that, you know, you just go in and like read some lines and you could do it. Um, mm. And some people can, you know, I mean, some people are naturally gifted. It's not, you know, it, it ain't, you know, it's not rocket science. It's, uh, you, you don't have to, you don't have to go to school. You don't have to do all this preparation. You don't need a degree, but you, you have to have something. Hmm. And sometimes that's just, um, just a, you know, an innate charisma. But you also have to be, you know, technically savvy enough to understand, like, you know, you have to know your lines, you have to know how to connect with another person, you have to, you know, some people are very uh, charismatic and you think, oh, this guy is like, you know, he'd be great. And then they kind of freeze up or something and, you know, that takes practice, but it really can be anybody, but it shouldn't be anybody. <laughs> 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 because it's uh it's a little more than that yeah it's interesting tell me something unexpectedly uh, uh well maybe it was something that was unexpected for you or maybe something unexpected for the majority of people you talk to just unexpectedly fun or joyous or, or beautiful about your profession um well the people you meet you uh mm. you you have the pleasure and the opportunity to work with many, many people because every time a show ends, you, you know, it, it's like, you, it's like the circus, you pack up the tents and it's gone, it's, it's gone. And then, you know, people go their, their separate ways and then you, you know, get into another cast and uh, you're with a whole different bunch of people. <laughs> and then you start to see people down the road that you've worked with before. And like, this person knows this person and you realize you're part of like a growing community of, of, of professionals, of artists. And, you know, now I use the artist term, but there are many artists, you know, in all, um, you know, in all departments of, uh, of, uh, you know, film and television and, and theater. Um, and it's just a special moment that you get to meet people and, and sometimes have uh, rather intimate relationships with them when you're, you know, depending on the material, you know, you can really get to know people in a certain way and, 
develop friendships. I, I'm not great at maintaining friendships after uh, a job, um, but I think there's some some relationships only only last the length of the job. But sometimes that's okay, you know. And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, we had this thing. It's sort of like, oh, we were in high school together, and yeah. now we graduated, and you're going here, and I'm going here. And, you know, maybe we'll run into each other down the way. And that's really nice when that happens. And it happens a lot, you know. Uh, it's great to see people again in different venues and forms. And uh, that's that's a joy. It kind of sounds like uh, summer camp. Like all of a sudden. It is, in a way, yeah. thrust together with this group of potential yeah. strangers. Maybe there's some familiar faces. and Right. Yeah. And then you make something and some people see it and then it's done. And it's like, I mean, the nice thing about movies is uh, they last, you know, yeah. you can go back and watch them later. Uh, theater has that wonderful ephemeral feeling of like, when it's done, it is done. And that also includes every performance when it's done like this, this night is the only night it's going to be exactly like this. Hmm. Because as much as like performances can be repetitive over time, um, it's it's not exactly the same. You know, things are going to be different. An audience is going to be different. Somebody might do something slightly differently. You might be feeling different on a different night. Well, you absolutely will be feeling mm. different on various nights, and each and that moment is there. And it's just created, and that audience sees it, and then it's gone. And uh, there's something really beautiful about that. That is beautiful. I had never thought about it put together in that way. It's communal, and it's happening there and now, and then it's gone. Yeah. And you all come together to create this experience for all these other people. Yeah, and that includes the audience. The audience is part of that when, when you do theater. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Do you feel like you miss that connection? Like, do you mean you doing maybe, theater? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, you I said you started theater, so much you transitioned, right? So do you kind years. of miss that a little What's bit? What's that? Sorry. I said you said you started, uh, you started in theater and then you transitioned to kind of doing more film stuff. So is that, yeah. do you feel like you've missed that portion of it a little bit? Uh, yeah. I wish it was more in my life than it is. I mean, uh, I, I've gone back. I, I haven't done a play in about five years. Hmm. Um, which is a long time. Um, there was a nice moment where I was doing uh, about a play every year, year and a half uh, in LA hmm. um, while doing other stuff. That was that was really nice because that I, I really felt like I had a balance, a creative balance in my life between uh, art and commerce. I suppose you would say, <laughs> um, and. Um, that that felt fulfilling, and I, I haven't had that of late. Um, but uh, yeah, I do miss it. Hmm. Well, I guess um, you said about five years, so your year and a half span would have been hit by COVID, and I guess kind of everything shut down. Yeah, there was no theater. Yeah, there was, there was no theater for there was no anything. About it was two crazy. years. Like, well, yeah, I mean, TV started up before that. Um, I did go back to work in the fall of 2020, you know, under strict COVID guidelines. Um, 
So things started to start up again, but theater, no, theater took a big, big hit. And, um, I mean, Broadway, I don't think, you know, it was really shut for almost two years, I think. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, we're big fans of musical theater and stuff like that as well. And yeah, you I are? Just, yeah, yeah. What have yeah. you, what have you seen that you like recently? Oh, uh, what was the last thing I've seen? Oh my gosh, I can't even remember. Probably, probably some community stuff. Um, because like a lot of the big stuff hasn't necessarily kind of picked up and started. Well, I don't know. I take that back. It has started touring kind of off Broadway down here in our area a little bit more as of uh, the last year or so, but we've seen mostly kind of, um, you know, just community stuff, try and support all the, that's all good. The, uh, so you like to go to the theater. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Enjoy like, it. Not, you know, not a lot of people do. I mean, it, it, in a way, I mean, it's, it's a very vulnerable art form. Um, it's it doesn't make money. You know, it's very hard to make money in theater. Mm. You know, for the producers, and um, a lot of people aren't interested. You know, it, it's almost a it's an art form from an older time. I don't know. I feel more connected. Like when I go to theater, I feel very much more connected to that. So for me, uh, this is. A, probably TMI, but for like a long portion of my life, I didn't really like feel stuff. Like I just, everything was kind of compressed and flat, which was great because I didn't really have lows, but again, I didn't really have highs. Right. And so, uh, some of the places where I found where I'd actually would like genuinely feel things was when I'd go to the theater is this immersion, right. like inside the environment, almost like suspension of disbelief. You know, like when you go to the movies, like yes. I expect to see this crazy thing. Well, like in there, yeah, if if you're transported out of your yeah. life into the world of the play, then that's mission accomplished. Yeah. You know, that's that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah, and I I would like connect and I would feel things, and so it's it's always well, not always like ever since I found it, it's always been like a special thing for me. And uh, uh, yeah, like the theater acting piece, like the fact that people are willing to get up there and perform for me is like such a special thing. So uh, I'm always curious when I hear people that like start there like I've never been on the other end of it I don't want to be on the other end of it I don't want to be yeah. in front of an audience performing I love to perform but I not in that fashion how um, do you perform uh generally occupationally or doing stuff like this right this is to this is a performative art uh right. of some sort but uh I speak at a lot of conferences I do stuff so I don't mind getting in front of people I just I don't really see myself doing that thing. Um, I see a lot of musical theater as well, and I absolutely cannot sing, right? So it's that's not <laughs> an avenue for me. But I've always been curious, like, because I know the way it makes me feel as a as an audience member to be it. And so on the other side of it, if you felt so, I've officiated like a couple of weddings, and I I definitely love be able to make people laugh and then make them that cry and then laugh, right? To be able to. To yeah, see yeah, that yeah. emotional to switch. Affect, uh, an audience. Yeah. yeah, like that, like it was a very special experience to me. And so the idea that somebody could get that and um, yeah. then, you know, like move beyond it. Like I, I've heard a lot of, or I've talked to several actors. I can't say a lot. I've talked to several and a lot of them start in, in theater and then move on to movies or television and kind of leave that behind. But it seems uh -huh. like such a magical, special thing. It's like, like for me, it just seems like it'd be hard to leave behind, but I guess also constraints, right? Like life gets in the way. Like you said, art versus commerce. Like I've got to 
feed my kids. Well, you know, it, it's stuff. a it's a large time commitment to do a play. Mm. It takes you out of you know uh, off out out of schedule for other things in your life, and um, and it's you know, I mean the 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 older I get, I uh, uh, you know, it's a sport. <laughs> it's an athletic endeavor. I mean, like you know, you have to stay in a certain amount of shape. You know, your voice, your but you know, it's yeah. it's it, it it's physically demanding. Yeah, I never thought of that. Even it, it, even if you're not doing a musical, which is absolutely physically demanding, no question. But even just a uh, a straight play can be like that. Yeah, I didn't. Re- I, I like I didn't even contemplate the stamina required to. Stand in front of an audience it is. for an eight hour shows a week. You know, I mean, it. You get tired. Yeah, absolutely. Even yeah. though it's only two or three hours or whatever, uh, you know, you'd you'd be surprised. It's uh, it can it, it can really draw a lot on you. Yeah, and I guess also like if it is a really long running production, you probably I'm not gonna say you'd get bored, but it can be well, you kind do. of mundane. You do right? get bored. <laughs> yes, that's part of it too. You get bored, and how do you, how do you address that? <laughs> you know, how do how do you find ways to not be bored? Um, you know, yeah. how do you how do you try to enliven it, keep it fresh, and you know, sometimes that can lead to bad behavior, but. <laughs> you start like screwing with people on stage. That's I never exactly what that. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. So people start playing practical jokes on each other and st- whatever, just trying to rack each other up. Um, I-, I was never one of those guys, but uh, yeah, I mean, it- it's a challenge. You- you're-, you're trying to find something um, where you're not just going to sleep, and you're not. You know, and you're also you know, hopefully not exactly trying to replicate something that you did before that might have been successful. Hmm. That's a big challenge with acting. Like sometimes you have a great night and then the next night you get out there and you're like, oh, I'm just going to do that again. And it it, it often doesn't work. Or it's not, get, you know, because you have this sort of anticipation about what it's going to be. Hmm. Whatever made it special was something that happened in the moment usually hmm. not something that you engineered hmm. not something so you that have you to can be manufacture. sort of like open again like yeah try not to push things make something happen the way it did another time hmm. which that's like um what and antithetical to what uh like stand-up comedians do right it's like they somebody laughs in a specific way or that get a bigger laugh that's like okay let's let's keep that let's scrap this and just constantly adjusting trying to to find the biggest well yeah i mean i i think you know there's a lot of experimentation in stand-up where you know people develop their act and you know they they adjust it they adjust how a punchline is going to go or a pause a delivery um you know and uh a, a funny person you know and uh, a professional will just keep sort of experimenting with it till it gets to its maximum potential mm. and then if it's not working they'll probably cut it you know mm. for sure well 
I'm assuming you started your um, theater work in New York. You said you're from New York area, right? Yeah, I was born in the city and uh, then moved to Westchester when I was two and grew up there and uh, then returned to New York. And I, I'm very close to New York. I mean, I grew up a half hour drive from New York City. Hmm. And then uh, came back for NYU. I went to the Tisch School of the Arts and was there for four years and then stayed in New York after that um, for about 15 years. Hmm. So were your, uh, were your parents, uh, were they like very artistic? Did they do a lot of this stuff? No, I mean, my father, um, my father dabbled in it. My father uh, was was a doctor actually but he had he definitely had a love of the theater mm. and the arts and music mm. um my mother appreciated it but she she never um pursued it in any way but my father when he <laughs> he you know he was a performer in high school when he when he was young and then when he went to college and medical school he would write musicals Hmm. and perform in them that's cool and he was uh he wrote lyrics he wanted to be a lyricist he almost left medicine to become a professional lyricist at one point when he was young he wanted to be like alan j Lerner. is it hard for you to see that in your dad like knowing him as like dr dad is what hard like they, that he almost quit medicine to become a lyricist. No, no. I mean, I think that's uh, that was something I always loved about him and was fascinated by. And I think it was something that, you know, my interest in the theater, he was sympathetic to because of oh, that. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming, yeah. You know, I never could play piano. He, you know, he could play piano a bit. Um, and he, I think he had a nice singing voice when he was younger. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, that, that was something that made it easier for me to pursue this as a career because yeah. I knew he was sympathetic in that yeah. way. Yeah. Or even encouraging, huh? And encouraging, you know, I mean, he, you know, certainly had his trepidation about it. Like every parent every does parent, yeah. know that their child is going to go into the arts, um, but I think he wanted to encourage you know, his kids to uh, pursue what they were interested in and not to interfere with that. And in my case, you know, he he supported it. I mean, you know, he sent me to NYU. I I got a, you know, they, they paid for my school. That's cool. And that's a lot of money. That is a lot. Of, yes, absolutely. Then and I now. I think so. they were always like, what the hell are we getting out of this? And I think they're probably, what is it you're learning there exactly that you couldn't do outside of like, why do you have to go to this university that costs $4 million? And um, that's a very legitimate question. And I don't have a great answer. <laughs> do you I feel mean, like no, it was really formative? Learned, but you're also like, why are we doing it this way? Yeah. It doesn't sure. have to be this way. Did it feel like a very formative time for you up there in college? absolutely yeah um you know i had a complicated relationship with acting studio i i i really you know i i, I went about it with um 
very good intentions and uh, and good faith. And I wanted to be good. And I, you know, I, I wanted to apply myself. At the same time, a lot of it I found quite baffling. You know, I, I, I wanted to think that I understood what I was being taught. And a lot of times I really didn't. Um, you know, and, and it's, you know, there, there's a lot of advice that I, so much I'd forgotten, you know, you, you get told so many things, mm. um, but certain things filtered in and, you know, I, I think I, I, I learned enough to develop, um, some sort of working process, which ultimately is your own. I mean, you know, I, I went to this, you know, this, uh, studio, I went to circle in the square um, and there's, you know, there's a notion or like, I had this idea that like, oh, by the time I graduate, I will have a method of preparing for a role. Hmm. And that's kind of true. Uh, however, you get told so many things that it's often, I, I found it difficult at times to reconcile w what one person might tell me with what another person might tell me. And sometimes I found them contradictory. And so I, I, I get very caught up in the weeds of wanting to do things in the right way. This, you know, and the truth is there is no right way. There's only paths to inspiration. Hmm. <laughs> you know, ultimately you have to put together, you know, some, some working method that works for you. And they don't have to be the same as what other people do. And they shouldn't be. I mean, we're different people. Um, and so I, I had a really complicated relationship with uh, acting class. I mean, I was an eager student, but um, I, I, I was also a frustrated student. Hmm. Do you feel like acting class is kind of one size fits all? Like they want everybody to do everything exactly the same? Uh, I don't, I'm like not as sure. Far as, like as far as how they're instructing you, like... Um, because like you said, like, I love that line. Like, there's no right way, only paths to inspiration. Like, I've learned everybody learns in different ways. Everybody, um, yeah. You know, like, some people are more auditory. Some are more visual. Some need a combination of all these things. And it sounds yeah. like they just kind of say, this is the way we're going to teach you. And so it's not necessarily what's going to work well, best for individuals. Well, each teacher has, has their idea of, like, what they, you know, they think works or may have worked for them as actors or, you know, maybe they've studied a tradition, like the method, you know, like they studied Strasberg's method or Adler's method hmm. or, you know, like the great acting teachers of the mid-20th century um, when acting became modernized and... Um, somewhat codified in a way in terms of mm. how they taught people. I'm sure you've heard of the method. Uh, I have not. Like you could oh, talk you to haven't. me. You oh, could talk but... to me like I'm five. I literally know nothing about this. You never heard of method acting? Oh you yeah. Heard... I've, heard, I've heard it described as that. Yeah. Well, I mean, really what that refers to is a school of thought, which really became many schools of thought based on, um, really based on the work it, it, was, it was sort of like a leap into modernism for for acting as an art hmm. um and modernism uh, you know and, and realism in a way um and it, it started with the russians it started with the moscow art theater and um 
some of the uh, members of that community, Stanislavski, Olaslavski, I think, was part of that. I don't know if he was original of the Moscow Art Theater. Stanislavski is the most famous. Um, and uh, the work, you know, combined with the works of uh, Anton Chekhov. Uh, and they they really endeavored at the beginning of the 20th century to bring the theater to a more real experience as it not just sort of depicting a story or going through the forms or motion. You know, a lot of acting was very presentational before that and stories were told in a sort of presentational way, often uh, in a very structured, well-made way. And Chekhov started writing plays that were just about people interacting, you know, like people in a family where they're going to sell the house or mm. they're going to, you know, this is happening or somebody's got to get married. And it, and it's not even that the whole plot is revolving around like, oh, what's going to, you know, we're going to sell that. It, it really just became, he created all these characters in a play that were, that just had their own lives going on. And it was how they interacted with each other. And that became sort of the drama. And like, I think when he, they first presented some of his plays, he was very disappointed because I think they were presentational and he was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like this doesn't, this isn't what I'm, this isn't, you're not playing the music I'm writing. Hmm. And the Moscow art theater found ways, you know, the, the, the actors and directors involved with it started to try to find a new way to act where there was a private life for the character and the character has a life that exists outside of the words of the play. This character has a history and has a, you know, very complicated relationship to the other characters in the play. Hmm. And then it was a matter of like, how does the actor themselves bring their humanity to the role? and sort of make this person seem like a real person hmm. and not just like a character in a story, a type, hmm. you know? So this was revolutionary. This changed what everything we understand about acting today. So this um, method moved to the United States specifically New York. And some of those teachers came over and started studios. And then they started teaching Americans. And uh, and then those, those Americans started their own schools. Um, most famously, the Actors Studio. I don't know if you've heard of the Actors Studio, um, which was created by... Lee Strasberg and um, I forgot who else uh, started started that, and they specifically taught an acting method um, that was derived from the Russian method. Hmm. That's interesting. Do you and think they had very definite ideas about what it meant to to be an actor and to uh, bring yourself to a role and how to work on a role. And had a lift, like they wanted to create like something alive on stage and not something frozen in amber. Gotcha. So you really want to like embody the character itself, like 
Embody the character, you know, but and also just be alive to the experience of what's happening then at that moment. Like right there. That's cool. Yeah, like something's going on in the audience, you know, like Lee Strasberg, I think, used to say, it's like, don't ignore anything. You know, like if, yeah, you know, I think he gave advice to like somebody like Christopher Walken. One year, Christopher Walken was a member of the actor's studio and he was doing a scene and like somebody dropped a bunch of like silverware or something outside, like right outside that made this huge crash. And, um, and they just kept doing the scene. And afterwards, Strasberg was like, did you hear that huge crash? Like what, like you, you didn't even respond to that, you know, because like we all heard it, mm. <laughs> you know? So it, it's just a different way of looking at like what life can be on stage. Hmm. And that absolutely changed um, how we think about acting, and it infiltrated all versions of that uh, uh, of the acting profession. Marlon Brando famously changed film acting and stage acting to a, a large degree because he would just kind of like he would kind of do what he felt like was so. You know, there was something really sloppy about him. You know, <laughs> he he just brought himself and his own quirks. He was very much, his, you know, his own sensibility. And he would do things that were unexpected, not directed. And, uh, you know, that was, that was absolutely new when he started doing that. Today, you know, there, we think of the method actor as like the person who like never drops character. I never get out of character. I'm always in character. I go home and I'm in character, which is insane. You know, I, <laughs> like... Come on, you're not going to go to the bank, you know, as, you know, Queen Elizabeth, you know, it's sort of, um, you're, <laughs> you know, you're a person, but it, it's a way of immersing, you know, of, of bringing your personal experience and you, uh, often your own quirks, you know, to a character. Hmm. It's interesting to hear and, you talk and, about and, it. And, you're, and, and in the service of the play, you know, you're trying to tell a story and like, you know, but, but in that sense, like no one is ever going to do a role the same way because people are different. Hmm. Have you ever thought about uh, teaching before? Um, I've thought about it and rejected it very quickly. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Because I don't have a way to teach people how to do that, you know, um, I had a teacher who was trained to teach people how to do that. Um, so he had a lot, a lot of material and a lot of his own experience to draw upon. Um, I'm not nearly that um, organized in my thinking, or like you know, I, you know, there, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of different roads to Rome, um, and I, you know, I don't really want to tell anyone which one to take hmm. um, and ultimately you know a lot of acting teachers i mean ultimately they're just kind of small-time directors in a way i mean they're just telling people the way they think it should be done <laughs> you know which is fine you know hopefully that's that's not the way it, it's it's handled but you know you have an opinion about how a scene should go or what a character should be and like like, why are you not doing this? Or, you know, maybe if you tried this and I don't know, then ultimately you're being a director. Um, it's hard to get the 
to teach an actor how to think for themselves. Hmm. That's interesting I, perspective. I never thought about that. I guess you just get so used to, I mean, you're trained, right? To, to be able to take direction, take direction. You're not often on the other side of that, uh, well, on the other side of the camera. And I should have, you know, I, I wish I had more experience on the other side. I wish I'd been a director at some point or a playwright. Um, and I, I never did that stuff. And I have some regrets about that, although I'm not sure how good I would be at it. Yeah, but you never know, right? Organization of thinking that, like, sometimes I think I lack. But well, and also getting some experience on the other side can help inform how you're going to do the other thing, right? So it will probably yeah. make you a Without better question. actor anyway, right? Without question. Yeah, I dig it, man. So New York transplant. So you were in New York. Time was right. You came to L.A. How hard was that decision? It was hard. It took me about 15 years to move out to LA. <laughs> <laughs> trying, and I, I would come out, and then I'd run home. LA kind of scared me for a long time. Really? Was it just not really having any family or really knowing anybody? Just not yeah, safety I, net? Yeah, um, it, it became easier when I, I did have people I knew. Um I would start to come out for pilot seasons and stuff like that. And when I first came out for pilot season, it, it was kind of fun. And it, it was like summer camp in a way because there were a bunch of uh, friends from NYU who also came out at that time. And we sort of clung to each other as a group <laughs> um, because we were all in a new place um, and trying to figure it out and trying to get work. Um, so that was that was interesting and then we made some new friends uh i made a friend who was a screenwriter who um i got along with really well and you know we're still friends to this day and you know a, a couple of years after i first came out for a pilot season you know then i went back to new york and then we stayed in touch and uh then he asked me to collaborate on a screenplay at one point and so i came back to la and then i was spending a year and a half like going back and forth from new york and la and working on this screenplay and so i had that experience in town and that was really interesting and also intimidating in a lot of <laughs> ways um learning learning about that stuff um <clears throat> you know taking me you know, meetings with uh, studio development people and uh producers and uh just really working on a script but uh my friend taught me how to write a screenplay mm. he that was another method i learned you know which was valuable um but then i ran back to new york again and then i'm like oh <laughs> a screenwriter out here this just seems like scary and i you know i just found something um isolating about LA huh which I think a lot of people experience about Los Angeles it's uh it's a big place it's not really a city it's a county um and it's very hard to not very hard but significantly harder to interact with people hmm. in LA than it is in New York New York is a contact sport. 
you know, as soon as you leave your apartment, you are just bouncing off of people <laughs> for better or worse. Um, but it's easier to form relationships hmm. because people are on hand. LA is not like that. LA, you like to, to even know where to go to see people or to try to connect with someone. It, it's very baffling and I found it uh, very isolating. So I was afraid of it, uh, even though I had some friends there. Um, I just felt as a business, it just felt monolithic um, and uh, just isolate. You know, I, I've said isolating, but uh, I, I, you know, I just didn't know where a door was to get in to, to start to do anything or to meet a theater company or to connect with people. I didn't know how to do that. So it took years of coming back. You know, I would come out for a pilot season, a month here, a month there. Then I'd go back to New York. And then I had this kind of happy existence where I was spending time in both cities. And that went on for about 10 years. Hmm. And then I fell in love and I had a relationship with someone who was out here and she made LA suddenly for the first time in my life feel something like a home. Hmm. And so then I look forward to coming to LA to see her, to, you know, to, and to experience LA with her. And then she would come to New York and, uh, spend some time with me and we would do things. And uh, we had a long distance relationship for several years and we're still together. And then, you know, in the winter, December of 2011, I finally gave up my New York apartment and I decided to come to LA hmm. full time. Was that one of the scariest things you've done? Letting that go? Uh, it was scary, but, but it was also at that point it kind of felt like I'm tired of splitting my, like I'm tired of trying to maintain an apartment and finding a sublet at the last moment for going out. It, you know, money was, it, it, if money wasn't an issue, I would have kept a New York apartment. But I, I had had years of just like booking a plane ticket saying, I'm going to leave February 1st to go out to LA and then getting up to January 28th and being like, I have no one to rent my apartment while I'm away. You know, I, I need a subletter. Uh, and, and the stress of that was, you, you know, uh, it was something I, I did. I didn't want in my life anymore. Hmm. And I finally came back after one trip. I don't know. I, and I had had sort of a difficult sublet on the last round. I wasn't happy about that. And then I just came back to the apartment. I was like, I don't need to keep this. I, you know, I, it's not that great. It's fine. You know, and it served its purpose. And then I was like, I want a new life. And, uh, you know, CJ and I are going to live together and, uh, we're going to start out by, I'm going to move into her apartment. And then, uh, which I did, I packed up my stuff. I gave up my apartment. I shipped my stuff out West and I moved into her apartment, and then about a month later, I found a house to buy. And I had, at that point, I had the monies to do it because uh, I had been working in LA, and I had, you know, I had made some money. That's cool. Yeah, and here I am. And there you are. I like how uh, you phrased it: uh, experience LA with her. 
and then she would experience New York with you. That's one of my absolute yeah. favorite things is for me and my partner to like go and discover a new place together. So I, I yeah. travel semi-regularly for work and sometimes I'll have free time and I don't know, I could go and I could discover this place, but it just, I don't know, it feels a little bland if I don't have like my riding buddy with me, you know, to like go and discover and experience these new things. Yeah, it's um, right. I mean, you know, I've had this feeling, you know, it's like, doesn't an experience seem more real if someone else is there to also reflect that? Yeah, for sure. It, it's hard to hang on to experiences when it's just in your own memory. Yeah, and to like muse over it and like, you know, like yeah. you'll hear some guy say something crazy. There's stuff. Uh, so I met my wife when I was really young. We were, I was 16. And so there's stuff oh, wow. that we heard people say then that we still say now, like as a joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's just like yeah, all just, that. I mean, that's, wow, that's 16. That is deep history. Yeah, it's a deep cut, man. So we've been together, uh, I think, 25, 25 years. So wow. it's been a really long time. So it's just. I don't know. You get to where it's so much more fun to experience with somebody else. Yeah. And I, I've never really been able to fully quantify why I enjoy it just absolutely so much. It's, I think it's so many things kind of layered together, but uh, that definitely, that hits home with me. Like how much another, my wife said it perfectly. She said home uh, is, uh, it's not a place, it's a person. And so I feel that with her. It's like, no matter where we are, it's like, I'm home. So yeah, definitely. It sounds like that's a very similar case for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. So you get to LA and life's been golden ever since. No, 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 no speed bumps, yeah. no hiccups. Everything's been Yeah, great. no hiccups. It's yeah, smooth sailing. No, I've been out here. Um, God, what year is it? Uh, yeah, 11 years. This is 11 years I've been out here. And it feels time. like home now. It does, of course. I mean, I bought a home, and now you know we have a we have a young son, and um, I've been here for a while, um, and yeah, uh, and most of my friends that I knew in New York live here now. Oh, that's cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so- and I've made other friends here since then. Yeah, and found some uh, real people. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's tough. It's it's still a tough business, and it's just, you know, it it it, it has its challenges, obviously. But you know, I have something which I wouldn't have had back in New York, which is a house with a pool. <laughs> do you uh, do you uh, try not to take the uh, pool for granted whenever you get in it? Um, I I do kind of take it for granted, but uh, CJ does not. She absolutely. Well, I think she insisted on having a house with a pool because she loves the pool um, and uh, she she uses it much more than I do. And so does her son. That's cool. That's cool. He loves it. So, yeah, the, the... And, you know, I, I take my obligatory dip here and there, but I'm I'm the kind of guy who, you know, will jump in the pool, swim one end, come back and get out and towel off and, you know. Yeah, and say, say you've had your shower for the day and just uh, go. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, well, I, I'm not, you know, like. <laughs> Who needs she soap? She'll hang out in the pool. She'll, like, play with pool toys. She'll yeah. be, like, bobbing around. She'll be playing with him, you know, and I'm just kind of like, okay, I've been in the pool. Now I'm getting out of the pool. Like, I, I've i swung. <laughs> <laughs> I could take a dip. I don't want to, like, just hang out in the water. 
<laughs> That's cool. Game changer for me was uh, a hot tub. Like I would have never, I'm not a hot tub guy. I would have oh, never bought one. The house yeah, came with one. Have. And uh, like as I get more old and decrepit, the more I yep. find myself in there. So it's definitely become part of my uh, routine, my regiment now. It's yeah, that I, uh, that we need you to do that at some point. Then I, I would spend a lot more time in, in the spa. There yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, Mather. Well, I'll tell you what, you have been extremely generous of your time. And uh, I, uh, I want to, like, I genuinely think of time as a, when somebody gives it to me as a gift, like it's the most precious commodity. You can't, can't get anything else. Like, you know, I've always heard you can, you get more employees, you can get more money. The getting more money part's always been difficult for me, but I understand it is possible, but you can't buy you know, more It's not lying in the street. It's not in the street. <laughs> it's not growing on trees. Either, I had right? an agent, a commercial agent, who used to say that. It's just like, <laughs> you're not going to find in the street, you know, how much am I getting paid for this commercial? It's like, can we get more money? He's like, no, that's what they offered. You're not, you're not going to find it in the street. <laughs> <laughs> I could dig it. I'm going to start telling my kids that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm curious if there are any ways you'd like people that are listening to interact with you, like maybe on the internet. Obviously, you know, you're not I'm on uh, Instagram. All right. Um, under. Another Zickle. Yeah. Right. Pretty sure it's handle. Um can I do a plug? Yeah, plug anything you want. What do you got? I mean, I'm in a um I'm in a movie in a in a western that has just been released. Um it was in theaters last week. I don't know if it's still in theaters, but it is streaming. It's called Organ Trail. O R G A N. And it is a Western thriller. Um, and it's streaming on Amazon, Apple, and Vudu, I believe. That's cool. So it's not a horror movie, it's a thriller. It's almost a horror movie. It's it's practically a horror movie. <laughs> it's violent. It's a violent movie. <laughs> okay. And you, uh, you have like a massive beard in that, right? I hate you. Do you look it up? I may have perused yeah. it. I do have a massive beard in that. It's pretty yeah. impressive. Was that was that real or was that fake? Oh no, that's real. Oh. You uh you got some real talent there, sir. Yeah, well I, I do, yeah. In yeah, in the bearded arts, I yeah. <laughs> quite adept. <laughs> 